on this week's episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Jeanette Harvey, founder and CEO of Harper Gray, the talent solutions company that leads with diversity, equity, and inclusion. She's a member of the Women in Leadership Council. She's the ex-senior vice president of Real Staffing and also S3. She's been named as one of the top 100 influential leaders in staffing by SIA, amongst many other highly regarded awards, including Business Woman of the Year and Best Woman Sales Director. Jeanette, hi. We've been speaking quite a lot on LinkedIn over the last year. You've come on my show in various different forms. I've always been really inspired by your phenomenal story. Um, obviously, XS3 now, doing some, some other great stuff. But like I've asked you before, like I asked all my guests, I'd love you to go back and just describe your journey to us from kind of school all the way through to what you're doing now. Because I know that... Uh, You've been through quite a lot of adversity, and uh, but you've shown a lot of strength, a lot of courage. So I'm all ears. Over to you. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, so I, my career really started uh, back in 2005 with the S3 group. So I uh, actually had the opportunity to co-found their North American business. So that was uh, an amazing and incredible adventure to to sort of uh, pack up your bags at 23 and and head the other side of the world. Um, But definitely a a kind of a scary, uh, scary experience too, um, as far as just all the things that go with with, uh, building a new life in a new country. I had a phenomenal career with S3 and really the opportunity to experience what what it was like to be um, an an entrepreneur, I guess, with the safety and uh, and security of a a larger organization. So Mm. I was able to to help build that business from zero to just under 300 million at the point that I left uh, S3, which was uh, earlier on this year. Uh, Learned a lot along the way and and, uh, in terms of my own, you know, kind of personal journey within all of that I became a mom um I got married I got divorced um, so there was there was kind of a you know uh, I, I guess you could say that I I grew up within within the organization yeah. and um and yeah, I'm a completely different, uh, completely different person now, as you'd expect, kind of 15 years on. And, um, you know, in, in March of, of this year, it was really time for me to, to kind of take the leap and take the next step. And uh, I set up my own business, Harper and Gray, which is a talent solutions company really focused around diversity, equity and inclusion. Fantastic. I mean, you've described that very eloquently, but you just sort of quite laissez-faire said oh naught to 300 million and you know I just set up on it so I mean talk to me about that journey I mean that those numbers are they're astronomical yeah you know it was in in the beginning we really had very little infrastructure in our U.S. business so it was a UK centric company yeah. and so from absolutely everything that we needed we'd have to keep going back to the UK and and often there just wasn't really a solution to be honest so it was very much just figure it out for ourselves um, which was really I mean it's it's definitely from a this the skills and the mindset that that helped yeah. me to develop has been uh, really really sort of instrumental so yeah, we literally figured it out as we went. And so, uh, you know, kind of building a brand 
you know, from, from a client perspective, no one knew who we were. And yeah. so, so it was, it was that it was, you know, for, to be considered a, an employer of choice. Uh, right now, there's so many UK recruitment companies in the US. We were literally the pioneers. There was no one here when yeah. we came uh, kind of 15 years ago. So really just even establishing this as, as kind of a credible, uh, a, a credible track for yeah. the types of people that we wanted to, to, to attract was was uh was no small feat um but yeah it was um it, it was a, a really about kind of getting the right people on board getting people engaged with our vision and and we built a, a team and and um, a mentality of um you know where, where everyone felt really proud of what we were trying to accomplish Indeed. It was this, yeah, an incredible, an incredible journey, and, and a privilege to be to be part of um, of, of the the S three America story. I'm S, I'm ex S three, so I, I know I know what they're like. So it's, a, it's a phenomenal business. But what fascinates me about you is that you are break from the norm. You know, S three is a big corporate animal in, in the recruitment world, and they have their certain ways of doing it. But I, I believe you kind of. You're a little bit of a break from a normal. Firstly, being a female, at, you know, at, at the top table, we 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 both know a lot of people know that you know there's still a long way to go to get that equality. But you delivered your fantastic results, which I feel um, are pretty unrivaled. But in, in a very purpose-led way, you're very purpose-led. You're very you're very principle-led. I mean, talk to us about that because the difficulty that feels like you might have had around going into a corporate and kind of like you kind of stuck to your values as well didn't you yeah so i I'm, it, it is definitely true that when i joined s3 uh, particularly kind of early doors there was very little representation uh, in female you know with with female leaders and so I learned a lot along the way um, in, in being in a minority class, right? So, yeah. um, and also, you know, obviously there's there's the kind of uh, the, the ethnic diversity too, but Absolutely. speaking from a, a gender perspective, being in the only club, so being the only woman sat around the table in, in what was quite a male-dominated leadership team, both locally and, and globally, was uh, was was sort of challenging, and so I think I had two choices. One was to to try and assimilate and uh, and and actually to maybe even emulate some of my male counterparts. Mm. Or the other choice was to lean into my own authentic style of leadership and so things like leading with empathy uh, which was uh, was not something that the organization really embraced or, or appreciated at that particular point um, it was it was you know kind of two choices and in the end I, I chose authenticity and I would continue to choose authenticity every single time and and you know in as a result of that I was able to create incredible succession you know I had the strongest that have the strongest track record around uh, developing leaders organically and I really do think that leading with a more empathetic approach and uh, uh, kind of a you know a, a sort of um, a more uh, human 
yeah. and more human uh, and more connected experience um, really, really helped. And I would just mm. kind of, I think the world has moved on so much more now around um, what a great leader uh, looks like. And uh, a lot of the traditional stereotypes uh, have kind of gone out of the window, but it definitely wasn't the case um, 10 years ago. I totally 100% agree with that. You know, I'm all about vulnerability and leadership. And there's, there's still, there's a lot of society, education, schooling, parenting. There's a lot of leaders out there, male and female, that they're indoctrinated into that kind of man up and work hard and push yourself and all that kind of stuff. But I guess in a sales environment, you still, you have to have the KPIs, you have to have the drive. So I want to delve a bit deeper around it. Can't, you can't always be empathetic to every single person. Was it a blend of empathetic, em, empathy and also some of the, the the old school stuff, or was it? You know, did you must have had some challenges along with, along the way because it's a big organisation. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's an absolute myth to say that you cannot hold people accountable and also lead with empathy. And for me, because those two things are not mutually exclusive, so it's absolutely not a single person within my previous organization or now that would say I'm a pushover. It's just that's that's not who I am. I'm, I'm a very sort of direct communicator. I'm very clear around boundaries mm. really clear on I, I i led with a culture of accountability yeah but as i said you know it, partially when you set expectations and there's really clear parameters around that totally. and you give people the tools to do things yeah and there's a a, a clear framework for how that's going to be delivered and, uh, and 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 you've defined that that accountability loop yeah. and you don't have to you don't yeah. have to be hard on people you just don't for have the sake to, of it just for the sake of it because yeah. actually the the the, the, yes. the structures and the things that you put in place that takes care of the results that you're you're looking to to drive mm. and so i always say that you know, you can be softer on delivery and harder on the outcomes, right? So you do not have to be, you can treat people with respect, you can treat people with dignity, you can treat people with kindness and still have a culture of accountability. Fantastic. Do you feel that, um, uh, what's the last, wait a second, someone's, sorry, someone's trying So, I mean, that, I think that that's such a refreshing approach to to, to, to leadership. Um, do, do, do you feel that? Um, well, actually, what were your reasons then for kind of leaving leaving that kind of very not safe but kind of stable? You know, you work your way up there. You're very senior. You know, to then walk away from that and, and set up your own business again. What what what, what was all that about? It was a couple of things. One, it is, I mean, you said it in the question, right? It's comf- it was comfortable. And you don't grow in your comfort zone. And I could well have been another five years, another 10 years, and been well paid. Um, I could have found elements to, to continue to, to sort of challenge myself. Um, and particularly because the organization was continuing to grow, but I didn't feel that 
I was going to really grow and and develop so much more. I think mm. sometimes just ripping up uh, the script and throwing mm. yourself into to something new and different uh, is is the way to experience growth. Yes. Um, so when I think about where I'm at now, in my first, it's been a little over ninety days in my since my business launched, and I'm constantly out of my comfort zone. Yeah. I, and more in the last 90 days than I probably had in the previous five years because I'm just putting myself in positions to, uh, you know, where, where I'm, I'm experiencing and, and learning new things. And that's when I'm at my best. And I just yes. I didn't want to, I didn't want to shortchange my own, uh, my own growth. And then the other, the other and very important reason was the nature of the business that I wanted to create. So I spent so long now in the talent space. And as I said, a lot of my experiences as a minority and a woman have really, and a mother have really shaped my experiences. And Mm -hmm. I, the, the more that I would partner with with different organizations uh, when I was at S3, I kept hearing the same thing around um, the cultural shift that organizations wanted to make as related to talent, yeah. um, but really didn't seem to be uh, really an authentic solution that was that sort of holistically uh, addressed some of the challenges related to um, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I, I had the idea in my head that I wanted to really make a difference and and to actually go on a journey with companies. So it wasn't just about the recruitment piece; it was about the, the uh, actually then how does that how does that tie into creating inclusive environments and inclusive leaders? And so 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 my organisation was really um, designed to help companies more holistically move the needle on their talent challenges related to uh, to diversity equity and inclusion i mean what i'm picking up from that i i feel you agree agree with me where a lot of leaders and businesses go where they go wrong is that they, they focus on the bottom line they focus on the transactional nature of, of, of pleasing their shareholders and ultimately all they're doing is climbing an icy mountain but i feel purpose vision mission values is, is the current currency and what i'm pleased about is i feel that so you, you, you epitomise that, but I do, I do feel the landscape's changing. I'm not saying I'm not saying businesses aren't there for profit because you've got to make a profit. But what's your general thought around the importance of actually, you know, aligning your, aligning what you're doing to your values and your purpose? Yeah, I, I think one of the things that organisations are starting to realise is those things are not mutually exclusive. In fact, they're that uh, they're directly interconnected. So. The more inclusive an organization, the more diverse an organization, actually that does have an impact on bottom line. And so even for those companies that are not doing this purely for values-driven reasons, there is a commercial upside to creating a, a more diverse and inclusive environment. And so what I see is is different motivations. Companies are at different stages mm. in the journey. And, yeah. and, and although you want people who authentically embrace this because it's, it's, it's intrinsic, I also think a big piece for me is is meeting companies where they are and so if, if there's a if it's commercially driven yeah 
but through that that, that process, um, you know, it almost you uh, it becomes more evangelical for for people. Then that's that's a win too. Yeah, you mentioned accountability. I want to go on a backtrack a little bit with how you built your team through empathy as well. Um, I believe on top of what you said there so brilliantly about how you made them accountable and all that kind of stuff. I think it also starts with you, the leader, in terms of, I always encourage the leaders that I coach around, yeah, you want everyone to be accountable, but the first person that's got to be accountable is you. So how did you hold yourself accountable? How do you hold yourself accountable? I'm a type A personality. So truthfully, accountability becomes very much second nature to me as an individual contributor. One of the things that I really enjoyed about the environment was what I put in is, is what I'm, yeah. what I'm get out. And so I kind of grew up with that type of, of mentality and it was really important to me. Integrity, being a, a role model, mm. was a, a, a very crucial because that's what I respect in, in, in leaders. And so yeah. I authentically, I couldn't look myself in, in the mirror if I, if I didn't wow. But I was I was kind of congruent with that. So accountability was something that ran, you know, top to bottom within within my my previous organizational structure. And it's also one of the things that as an entrepreneur, when I meet I've met so many other fellow entrepreneurs and the ability to hold yourself accountable unless you're not accountable to anyone, right? You're you're really accountable to yourself first and foremost. And then obviously to, to the, you know, to, to your clients and and partners from there, but there's so much room for you to allow yourself to not deliver on the things that you say that you're going to deliver on because there's, there's, you know, you're effectively kind of your your own boss. And, and so I, I, I think that's actually quite a big differentiator between those people who are able to to drive um, performance and scale within their own businesses and those, those that are not that totally. that's self-discipline and accountability is well okay. it's self-awareness isn't it it's removing that ego stop trying to be all things to all people i mean the whole title chief executive officer it's like what do you actually what do you actually do mate you know i think it's about setting your own objectives being accountable but also understanding what your strengths are and staying in your lane and then outsourcing and um you know, hiring people um, who are better than you in other areas, and, and just just being open about that. Yeah, I, I actually I couldn't agree more. So a, a big piece of that it does come down to emotional intelligence. So I see this a lot when managing uh, managing managers quite early on in their journey. They're so reluctant to hire someone that is considerably better than them because ego starts to come in the way and and really ego is is often driven by insecurity and so the advice I always try to to give leaders just coming up through Mm. is if you can hire people that are better than you or have different skills than you right so it's not always about that the whole package it's about uh, can other people do 
the things yeah. that I cannot do better than me. Like that's how you build a rock star team is um, is is by embracing that mentality. And there's lots and lots of times when I have hired uh, key people that are a million times better at, at different components of of the job, and that reflects ultimately well on you as a leader, right? To to be able to yeah. help to continue to to develop and, and elevate those people. And also I feel that this whole vulnerability and leadership, again, I, I get loads of positive feedback about the stuff that I, I, I put out on LinkedIn and I, I'll stay in my lane, I believe in it. But also I do get a lot of people saying, oh, this whole empathy, compassion, vulnerability, leadership is weakness. But I, I, I feel that you're the leader as well where, you know, the more you open up to your team, not to the point where it's you're crossing the line, but you have to be a human, human-led leader as well, don't you? Yeah, you do. So, so I would say there was um, a, a point in my, it, there was a pivot point for me where I got feedback that my my team didn't feel like they really knew me, um, and uh, this is probably about the halfway point of, of my uh, my career, and and it sort of coincided with taking on a bigger and bigger remit. So the the sort of direct reports, yes, um, I worked with them very closely, but sort of beyond that, right when you started to get two levels down, three levels down, yeah. And my initial reaction on that was be a little bit um defensive to be honest with you i sort of felt like well you know i don't work with them day to day like how how intimately are they going to need to 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 sort of know me yeah but i realized that that was just a defense mechanism because for whatever reason i'd kind of got into a to to a point where i'd i'd created um perhaps unconsciously this distance between myself my leadership team the rest of my organization and it was uh, it, it really took me reconnecting and kind of mm. understanding well what do people want and need to see in order to be able to connect with me as as a as a leader and okay. so it was really really deliberate and intentional um, especially managing a really distributed team where I had people in New York California um wow. t- you know all these different all around the states had to really think about different ways to to kind of show up and uh, and allow people to feel connected yeah. to me as as a leader because it was is so important i want to talk to you about your new business harper gray in a minute but i also we've talked a lot about your leadership style how you beat your teams the whole work thing but again i'm passionate about what we do inside of work, who we hang about with, you know, the content we absorb, what we eat, what we do. I mean, if that's all over the shop, doesn't matter how good your work is, it's going to fall down, isn't it? But so I, I want to know uh, what your thoughts are around the importance of mental health and well-being, but also some of the. I know you've had some adversity that we touched on before. I mean, tell you because I, th- I think that's part of your 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 drive and your journey to what your, what your purpose is. So if you wouldn't mind going a bit deep around some of the stuff outside of work that's kind of caused you some some trauma but also I think giving you the fuel to be the person that you are yeah so I think as I mentioned I moved to the states when I was was kind of 23 and so there's definitely 
there's there's something to be said for not having the people that uh, know you uh, the best and and having your your family in close proximity and mm. you know when I was 27 I I got married and that was uh, for want of a, of a, of a better uh, phrase, it was, it was a very turbulent and quite toxic relationship. And at the time, I never really calibrated how, um, how much that really impacted my, my own kind of men mental health, mental peace, you know? And so yeah. uh, I ended up, uh, we added a child uh, together, and that was really the catalyst for me um, when, when I looked at this tiny little baby and, uh, and realized that it wasn't just about me anymore. It wasn't about what I could tolerate. It was about providing the best possible life for my, my son. And, and being a mother just changed me on... Yeah. On, a, on every level really and so I, I kind of made a very difficult decision to uh, to separate and divorce from my husband wow. and, uh, and and to go it alone as a as a single mom um, he made the decision on the back of that that he was gonna actually leave the leave the state so I was uh, well and truly doing doing this alone and for me, it, it, it was just such a pivotal moment in, in mm. my life. It, it mm. brought everything into focus. It gave me so much more meaning and, and drive and purpose. And, I, and despite the fact that my career had been going very well up until that point, I really just hit the fast track from really from, from that moment onwards. You know, I was yes. quickly promoted to to vice president, doubled my remit, doubled my remit again. And I, I just have experienced my son's eight now. Wow. So much growth, so much growth as a person, as as a as a mother, as a uh, as a businesswoman, and uh, it, you know, it was really one of the best things that that ever happened to me. Is the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, but uh, you know, there's there's no doubt that that experience and becoming a mum made me a totally different person. I think it's, it's about your attitude. I, I feel like I have conversations like this all, all the time and that's adversity and there's, there's obviously people who have had worse adversity, less adversity, I've had adversity. It doesn't, you can't gauge it, but I do feel that in most cases you get a choice right. You get a choice of either kind of wallowing in that, becoming a victim to it or using it to your advantage uh, and benefit to, to drive you on. But you've obviously done the latter which is great and i'm sure there's times where you just think fuck it i'm not coping and all that kind of stuff because you're a human being right um but have, have, you, have you had any kind of like you say you have some people around you but you, have you had any counseling or therapy or anything like that or have you just kind of just battled through or yeah, interesting. Interesting. The uh, the adversity that i experienced at that particular point i chose to uh, to, to really kind of battle that my, myself and I had you know kind of a, a few friends uh, that I opened up to but for the most part it was a solo journey and what I would say is I didn't know it didn't need to be that hard if I had the opportunity to go back again I absolutely would have sought out therapy and I would have leaked more and been more open with friends so mm. where I had 
more significant adversity later on in my life beyond that that situation I uh, I did I turned to to therapy and yeah. it was um it was a lifeline you know it was an absolute lifeline so mm-hmm. I think sometimes especially being British there isn't I don't feel that the the therapy route is uh, is as commonly uh, accepted yeah. as it is in as it is in the states, and so that was quite interesting. That my friends would would say you need to get a therapist, and yeah. I didn't know anyone in my life that had a therapist. I was like, no, no, I'm all right, thanks. And uh, and so that's been a big learning lesson. Well, we need to close quite soon. I mean, well, I, I could talk to you for hours about this. I, I, there's, there's a few more questions. Yeah. I want to talk to you about what your vision is and plan. You mentioned that your business is DNI orientated and you've obviously had your own struggles with, with that. In, in, but, so what, what, what is the plan? What, what's the shape of the business? What's the purpose? Where do you want to take it? Yeah, it's going faster than I actually anticipated, which is a good thing. But uh, you, you know, is is uh, is a lot. Uh, people have really identified with the mission for the company, mm. and so I've been working with companies on the search side around their board and leadership positions. Who you know, change starts at the top. How are we yeah. gonna? look at, at really diversifying your your leadership team so i've been working on some some uh, some key searches uh, related to that and and then it, it's uh, it, it's really been quite exciting to work on the other component of the business too which is helping companies to formulate create processes and, yeah. and plans actually around diversity equity and inclusion within their organization i'm i'm a i spent a a lot of time upskilling and training to be an executive coach and so the work that I've been doing around helping to develop inclusive leaders so that they can meet the moment right so that they're developing these diverse teams that they are equipped to uh, to support and really get the best of those individuals and so just seeing the, the kind of initial response and and uh and, and really that reinforcement of some of the early work that I've done and, and some of the early clients that I've onboarded. I'm really excited about kind of expanding, um, you know, the, the, the business holistically. It's, uh, it, it feels really great to be part of something that is yeah. so mission-driven and, uh, and mm-hmm. actually to, to have my ideal clients on board as well, right? So clients... Yeah, of course. Have, this matters to this, this matters to them too. That helps a lot in terms of, of kind of energy and uh, and commitment level on both sides. I'll, I'll describe you as kind of purpose personified. What I mean by that, no one can say that the north to three hundred million isn't a fantastic achievement. But I feel that although this will probably be a very profitable and successful business financially, I think your biggest success is going to be this, and it's it's, it's not necessarily people before profit but it's certainly purpose before anything else and I think that's that's what floats your boat right yeah completely it'd be great to to it'd be great to have a to to have a profitable profitable business but it'd be even better to be able to leave a legacy and to say I was actually able to impact the talent space and uh, you know with diversity equity inclusion in in the following ways and to feel that 
I'd been able to make a significant difference in in changing the landscape and uh, and actually I'd, as I said before I think that purpose-led businesses are more profitable anyway yeah. so oh absolutely so kind of in closing I always ask for kind of like my guests to give some tips and advice but I want to I want to specifically ask you a question around um, relating to the fact that you left a very comfortable, well-paid, senior corporate position to kind of start out on your on your own, and you describe that as kind of that growth thing. So, what what? And I'm all about continual improvement and growth. What what advice or tips could you give someone who who maybe who may feel a bit uneasy about that and the kind of the, the risk around setting up on their own business or leaving a company? They want to do it, but they can't quite get over that line mentally. So, any advice on that? Yeah, and I get asked this question a lot. It's, it's probably one of the most common DMs that I get on LinkedIn. Mm-hmm. And I would say that you, everybody gets to this point organically by themselves, but there will become a point when what's the cost to stay, right? And and when this cost to stay becomes greater than the cost yeah. of going, that's the that's the equation. That's the, the time to, to make the leap. And and that cost to stay is is often is this gnawing feeling that you're meant for more and that you could do more and you feel it manifests itself in boredom, in stagnation, in burnout. Listen yes. to those yes. li- those signs and you know money is it 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 comes it comes and it goes right and and there's there's um sometimes you're taking short-term pain um certainly it's been uh it 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 was uh, a challenge to to suddenly give up this comfortable salary we'd actually be surprised by just embracing Mm. embracing your purpose and your passion you become the best version of yourself so the the ability to create a revenue stream when you are the best version of yourself is actually remarkably quick so so you know give away your power and assume that is going to take you forever to be able to to kind of replicate that that success Mm. Um, that would be my my advice that's that's phenomenal i think having that purpose it doesn't just manifest in your business it it manifests in probably your relationships your 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 desire to personally grow kind of your your health and fitness i think it all kind of all it's life isn't it it's not just business i'm the best version of myself right now um and uh and and yeah that that is it's interesting because up until now i think we've always been conditioned to compartmentalize these different parts of our lives and the way that the world is changing realizing that that's that's not the case anymore right like the these different areas they bleed into each other and 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 that is going to happen and so once you wrap your head around that you realize that how happy and fulfilled you are within your career has a knock-on effect to absolutely everything else. So you want all these, you want alignment, you want peace over here, you need peace over here. Absolutely a pleasure as it always is. Um, Where can most people, I think the answer is probably LinkedIn because you're you're, you're amazing on LinkedIn. You've got such a great following. Is is that the best place for people to find you or? Yeah, I'm I'm on LinkedIn every day. (laughs) 
that's that's my playground so yeah people can definitely reach out to me on linkedin and and i'll be very responsive Gina, absolute pleasure thank you so much for coming on looking forward to chatting again to you soon yeah thanks so much the purpose-led leadership podcast is sponsored by Vincherry, the recruitment operating system used by 20,000 recruiters worldwide. I chose to partner with Vincherry because I'm a customer and I love their modern recruitment operating system, a single tech platform to streamline the front, middle and back office operations of executive search, perm, contract and temp businesses. If you're looking for a new breed of tech partner, talk to Vincherry. They have follow the sun support with seven offices around the world. Check them out at vincherry.io forward slash Chris O'Connell for an exclusive offer for all listeners.